And when you talk about cultivating and a fruitful heart, a lot of people look at the title and say, what are we talking about cultivating a fruitful heart? Well, a fruitful heart is one, when you bear fruit, and when you bear fruit in your life, that means that you're, you're, it's not necessarily that you're winning a soul, even though that is part of it, but it's when you let the fruit of the Word of God, the things, the love, the joy, the peace, all of the great things of God, when you begin to see those fruits coming forth in your life, you want to have the best thing that you can have. You want to have as many fruits in your life as you can. And it's important to realize that to have a heart that is fruitful takes effort on our parts. In other words, we have to work on a method by which we cultivate our heart. In other words, prepare our heart to be able to do great and mightier things for the Lord. And as a, a young young man, or even go back there, I've even been back there since I've been grown because I enjoy going there. I, I grew up in, in Florida, and I didn't have the opportunities to be around a, a farm or anything like that in Florida. But my uncle and aunt had a farm in Alabama. And I would go to Alabama because one of the boys was three years younger than me. And so we, we liked each other and really got together as cousins. And so we went there, and I just enjoyed going there. I got to work in the fields, you know, got to hoe the cotton, hoe the things, got to pick cotton. Didn't enjoy that at all. Uh, but pull corn and do all the things and, and do all the work. And I remember uh, everybody was getting a dollar, was getting three dollars a day to hoe cotton and peanuts. And because I was inexperienced, my uncle told me he was going to pay me a dollar and fifty cents a day. And what a dollar fifty cents was great for me until I got out there and it's from sun up to sundown. It wasn't an eight-hour day. And uh, so I got talking, and then he found out. He said, you know, I really probably ought to just pay you 75 cents because you miss a lot of the weeds, you know. And I said, well, okay, but I, I just enjoyed being there. But I got to see what it meant to be able to prepare uh, the ground, the soil, and the land that was there, and all the effort, especially when I was very young. I would see, I, would, uh, I remember when I was really young, my grandfather was, uh, was uh, plowing the garden. Okay, he was out plowing the garden, and the garden is not like you would think a little garden like this. We're talking about big gardens that you would normally use a tractor on, but at that particular time, he didn't have a tractor to do that. All he had was, uh, uh, I uh, can't remember the mule's name, he had a mule, and he had a, just a plow, and he would go out there, and I remember as a, as a little little child, I, I remember holding on to that little bar that's in the middle, and I would get in front of him, and as the horse would pull it, he would... As the mule would pull it, he would do it down the road. He'd say, keep it straight, keep it straight. Well, I couldn't keep it straight, but I was holding on to it like I was doing something, you know. And he was going and he was plowing, you know. And, and the first time you go up there, you break it, you got a big old plow, and you turn the land over, and then he goes back with breaking it down and all this kind of stuff. And then later on, as they got tractors and things of that nature, I got to see what they call breaking land. Breaking land is when the land is already grown over. It's got all the weeds or the crops from the previous years. And you can't just go out there and that land and say, okay, well, let's just start planting the seeds. You don't. You have to get the land ready. So I have these big plows. They pull behind tractors. They turn that dirt over. And they turn all those weeds and stuff back into the soil. And then they got all these big lumps out there. Then they take the disc and they go through and they disc all this thing. Get it all leveled and all that kind of stuff. Get all the lumps out of it. And then they go spray with killer and fertilizers and put all the fertilizers down. And then they plant the seed. Then they plant the seed. Well, planting the seed is important. And as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> Pastor Angela was preaching Sunday and she was starting on the seed she started on the parable, and she talked about the sower sowing the seed and then how they came and sowed the weeds. 
And I thought for a minute she was going to get all over my message for tonight. And I said, you know, I may have to come up with a new message for this thing is all over because she may just walk all over this message that I'm doing. But she stayed on the seed. And so she talked about the seed and how it dies. It's important about the seed. And all the ways about how the seed has to die and has to go and all this. And it's all great and things. There's a great teaching that was there. But I told her, I said, you got one of them. I got the parable just before that. I'm going to have the parable of where it sows to the four types of soil. Okay? And so I said, what you did was you preached on the seed, so you got them all excited about the seed, so now I'm going to go tell them what kind of soil you put the seed in. Okay? So I said, you almost got it, but you didn't quite get there. Okay? But the thing about it is where I want to take us to, to, to think is, first of all, looking at, at what this cultivation is in the heart. When you talk, when it talks in the Bible about the heart, it's talking, you know, talking about, uh, the heart. In this particular area, the heart here is the soil in the, in the parable, and we'll read the parable here in a minute, but it's the, it's the soil that it's talking about. So, God is the soil selling, sowing the seed, and what we have in our heart to be able to receive, and where are we in that relationship of being able to accept that seed? Now, I'm gonna look at the parable of the sower, with the four types of soil, and you can find this in Matthew or in Luke's Gospel, but we're going to use the one in Matthew. And it, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture where we see Jesus talking about the parable of planting. Now, the people here knew all about, just like I know a little bit about what it takes to cultivate and get something ready for seeds. But it doesn't matter how much I cultivate it. If I put a seed in the ground, it won't come forth. Okay, because I don't have a green thumb, mine's brown thumb. In other words, it comes up, turns green for a minute, and then turns brown. Okay, so I, I'm not the thing, but I, but these people that he was speaking to knew exactly what he was talking about because they had had to go out and get the thorns and beat up the thorns. They had to go out and pull all the rocks out. They knew exactly what it was to get land that was wasted land and turn that land. Many times they have to take trees and push them down. We go down the roads a lot of times and see these big, huge pastures or big farms that's going on, and we say, wow, that land's flat. Well, that land's clean. It looks beautiful. It's whatever. At one time it had trees and brush and everything else on it. A lot of time and effort went to preparing the soil for what crops that you see that are going out there. And so they understood exactly what the Lord was talking about. And he was trying to take and give them something in the natural, a parable. But he wanted to give them that with the natural. But he was trying to show them a spiritual understanding of what he wanted to tell them. And it was important that they understood what he was trying to say. And even though the heart here is represented by the soul, and we know that the sea naturally is the Word of God. But before we go to that parable, I want to share some scripture leading up to this parable that makes it very, uh, un, for, so that we can see who God is talking to. Because a lot of people, when they look at this, listen, have heard messages over this, always, it's always talking about the seed or it's talking about the person who just doesn't hear, the person that doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And we, th- we think about, okay, I'm the one that has the good soil. I'm not that one that had the hard, you know, hard soil. I'm not the one that had the, the stone in the rocky things. And I'm the good soil, you know. And we always push it off as it's being, there's this person, this person, this person, and then us down here at the bottom. But what I want to share with you tonight is Jesus was talking about this, and when you see what he's talking about, he wasn't talking about three or four different people. 
He was talking about the, how people receive the Word of God. And it's a process by which people do. You don't get all of God's Word and understand all of God's Word at the very beginning. He said, you've got to understand there's things that you have to move. There's obstacles in your life. There's obstacles around you that keep you from being able to develop a heart that's ready to receive the power of the Word of God. Now, in Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15, it says, And in, and in their case... The uh, case, the prophecy of I is being fulfilled. Now, this is a prophetic word coming from Isaiah, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. And you shall keep on looking, but not perceive. And the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. And with, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. So this is up at the beginning parts of, of, of this, uh, it kind of sets in between the parable, when he gave the original parable, then he gives this, and then he gives the interpretation of the parable. In other words, what the parable actually meant. So he said this before giving the disciples the understanding that it was there, and it was all about that. Now, we have to understand what the heart is. Now, the Greek word for heart, just to let you know, you may already know it, but it's cardia. K-A-R-D-I-A. Now, cardia is where we get the word cardiac, meaning heart, right? But, get it. but the first part of the K-A-R is what means heart, physical. But when you look at it, it's, this is a figurative type thing, singing, and this figurative meaning is about thoughts and feelings that's made part of the soul. In other words, having to do with the heart, yes, but figuratively, it's almost like the thoughts and the mind. So when we say that we have to prepare our hearts, what we're talking about is that part inside of us, that part of our soul, the soul, which is science, uh, which is mind, middle, and emotions, right? So that when you, in your mind, you begin to see it. So it's part of the soul in itself, but it's something that's in our control. In other words, this is something that God is there to help us with, but it's something that we have the control over, and that we, and, and that that's what it's talking about. So, in, in, in from here. We look at this process, and it talks about them not being able to listening, but not hearing. The Word of God, so much, and, and we hear it in our churches today, and, and it, it's something that has, I, I think it's just been around for a long, long time, and that is a lot of times we hear what the Word of God says. But if I were to, if I were to come up, if I was just to simply say uh, to you right now, and I'm not, you don't have to, because I'm but I'm sure, but if I were to say, listen, would you stand, Okay. And so I look around, and everybody stands but three people. And I look, and I say, okay, those three people didn't stand. Well, did they, did they hear the same thing I said? Of course. But when somebody hears, it means that they obey what they hear. In other words, if you say stand and no one stands, then no one literally heard you. They may have heard you, but you don't hear unless what you're hearing causes a positive response or a response from you. So when, here when he's saying that Isaiah was saying that the people have hear and hear but do not hear. Every Sunday morning, the Word of God comes forth. Pastor Angel preaching powerful message. And, and, and Pastor Roy coming up here and taking the Word and pulling everything out of the Word and giving us exactly what the Word says. But it doesn't apply anything if we only hear it, but then don't apply it. 
You understand what I'm saying? So there, it, it, a heart is the heart part is when we take what we hear, take what we see, and those things, and actually turn them into action in something that we can do for the Lord. Okay? So that's what the, this old thing, the thing is about. So from here, let's look at the process here uh, uh, of the cultivation of the heart. Okay? Now, we have to surrender our heart to God. That's the first thing we have to do. Now, when I say surrender the heart, first thing you think of, my heart's whatever. Now, remember what we talk about, our mind, right? We have to surrender our mind, our heart mind, if you want to look at it that way. Our heart mind, because if we don't surrender it to God, nothing's going to get in. So before you can even talk about soil and different types of soil, you have to realize the heart being the soul you have to, that, that soul that's there, then we have to submit and say, Lord, I'm willing to receive what you have for me. I'm willing to do what you have for me. Jesus submitted His will. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Uh, we see where Jesus submitted to the Father, and as we are to surrender and submit ourselves to Jesus. In Matthew 26, 39, it says, And He went a little bit beyond them, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and fell on His face and prayed, saying, that Jesus went into the garden and fell on his face. Do you think that Jesus was sincere? Do you think that shows a surrender? When he surrendered to his father. Father, <laughs> are you sure, you know, are you sure about this? But he says, my father, if it is possible... Jesus knew why he came, but yet he, his flesh, you know, his heart was saying, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but yet not as I will, but as you will. That's the surrender that we need. Not my will, but your will. We talk a lot in the, in the jail ministries about will. Because I talked to the guys a lot about it. I said, you know, you have to make a choice. You made a choice to be here. You're here because of choices in your life. And you have to, you can, you could have chose to go the other way. You could have chose to do something different, but you chose what you chose. And the same thing is here. Christians are not bound and made to do anything. Everything that is in God's Word, we have to choose to obey the commandments of God. A lot of people say, well, is there commandments? Yeah, there's commandments all through the Bible, but there's a thousand, a little over a thousand that's just in the New Testament alone. That's a lot of commands. And none of them are suggestions. He says, if you keep my commandments, you are my disciple. So, if you do not keep my commands, you are not my disciple. That's the flip side of the positive way in which Jesus said it. But if we don't yield and we don't take our will to accept this and accept it in our lives, then we are not His disciples. No matter how well you want to cut the pie, He says, if you don't keep my commandments, you are not my disciple. In other words, we're not a student. We can't learn if you're not willing to follow His commands. Now, 
Surrender requires a daily offering of our lives in living sacrifice. It is a daily thing that we must do. Not something that we do once and then we don't have to do anything. It's every day we have to do it. He, uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1, you know it very well. It says, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Sacrifices. The people that he was talking to knew what a sacrifice was. They knew what it meant to, to give a sacrifice. Living sacrifices, they did not understand. A dead sacrifice, they did. But the fact, he said, we have to be a living sacrifice because Jesus died so that we could live. And if we live, we have to live toward that obedience. Surrendering, giving your will to God, is putting God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you, right? In other words, when we seek God first, when we do the things that God wants us to do first, He says, when you seek my kingdom, and I've been doing a lot of research on the kingdom of God, and I tell you what, it is so deep. The kingdom of God, and I don't want to get on it either, but it's just so big that you, if you want to just do something, go in the Bible, read the kingdom, just put the kingdom of God in it, search it, and find that phrase, and just read all about the kingdom. Because there are so many keys. He said, he even told um, Peter, he says, Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. And, and when we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and we see all of the things that is, is, is the kingdom of God is, all of these keys that we have, there's a marvelous study that we can do in talking about these keys to the kingdom. Now, surrender requires removal of barriers. There are barriers that keep us from receiving what God wants us to have. Okay? Some of those barriers Satan has put in our way. Some of the barriers we have put in the way. Okay? Because there's many times that we put our uh, things up and stop the blessings of God because we stop doing something. I had a, 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 a very good minister one time. I was saying, I said, you know, the Lord has not talked to me in some time. Can you give me some advice of what's going on? He says, yeah, I can tell you exactly what the problem is. I said, oh, I really didn't think I was going to get an answer when I asked, but he said, I got an answer for you. I said, okay. He says, go back and, and, and think and remember, and if you don't remember, ask the Holy Spirit to, to te- remind you, and he will. Remind you of the last thing that God told you to do that you didn't do. Go do it, and then he'll start speaking to you again. And I said, okay. I'm not sure that's biblically sound or whatever the case may be, but it was, a good, it, was, it was a good suggestion to me with the fact that we need to make sure that whatever God tells us to do in His Word, to do what His Word says to do. And that we find all of that, but it requires us removing, uh, removing the barriers. And we have to be responsive to Him. So, oh Lord, I'm going to move. Moving on. All right, so let's move on to the process of this heart cultivation that I'm talking about. And we're going to be looking at the parable in Matthew. We're, we're not going to look at the parable as it was given. We're going to look at the uh, uh, explanation that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. I'm going to read it to start with, and then we'll read it, and we'll go through it, step through it. It says, Listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
This is the one sown the seed by the road, seed by the road. The one that sows with the seed in the rocky places, this one is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but the only, but only temporarily. And when affliction and persecution occurs because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the, and the one, and the one seed with the seed among the thorns is the one that hears the word. And the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown with the seed in the good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. So here we have the four types of soil. Okay, it's not necessarily four types of soil. I think the soil is all the same because the soil is our heart. We have to understand first that the soul is the heart. So God has got the word, the seed, and he wants to plant that seed in our heart. That means in our mind, in our spirit mind of the things he wants to plant there inside of us, right? I don't want to get into what it takes to get that, but we're just going to talk about the seed and the soil itself, okay? So each soil type represents the ability of each individual to accept the message of God's gospel. Now, the first one we're looking at is I call it the hardened heart. Now, hardened heart can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but basically, if you were to take packed ground, especially if you've got a clay-based uh, field and stuff, you get that stuff and pack it down, there's places it can be almost as hard as concrete. You know what I'm saying? That when it gets dried out and it gets packed down and so forth, when they get to building highways around here, you see them, they, they cut away, and then they start bringing in this clay-type dirt. And then they got these uh, packers just running up and down, up and down, up and down. Put some more down. Run it up and down, up and down. Why? Because they want to get a solid foundation to be able to hold the concrete or the blacktop, whatever you're going to be putting on it, to give it a good, solid base. That's not the type of environment that you want to go plant seed in. Okay? You don't want something that's hard that way. So... A hard soil represents those that have never really heard the word with understanding. Because it says up here that they did not understand it. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Okay? So understanding comes here. Lack of knowledge. The reason why I'm telling you that this is a process that we go through is because I believe that everybody starts right here. And that's when they first get saved. Because their heart... Even though they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't have any knowledge of the God. So anything that they hear many times from the pulpit, they hear a message. Well, a lot of times, you've got to realize, most of us have been living for the Lord for years and years and years. And so when something comes forth, you've got something to pull from. But what if you never knew the Lord before? What if you don't have that uh, years of experience when you listen to what the Word of God comes forth? It's going to come and you're going to sit there and say, what are they saying? Okay? In other words, it's not that they don't want to hear. It's just they can't hear from the lack of knowledge. So we have to help them to be able to break up that, to break up their soil of their heart. Okay? To break that up. And the way to break those things up is when you break those things up, it begins to loosen the soil so that knowledge, and it comes through the knowledge of that. That's the reason why I used to say the Baptist church had the strongest uh, study program I think I've ever seen. 
Because everybody, as soon as a person got saved, boom, they were in a, a class and they were getting the foundations and they were going bam, 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 bam through sometimes years going through. They used to, I tried, I had the name of it on the top of, tip of my tongue of what they used to call it. Uh, anyway, but it was a study program, but it was an in-depth study program and it was to solidify people. But our churches today, we, it, it's something that we kind of, uh, we're working on even here. We're working on getting discipleship programs. And our classes that we're teaching in the Sunday school, we're asking people to come. And how many people are there? Most of you. If I look, I'm looking around. I'm saying, yeah, the ones that are in Bible study on Sunday morning, on disciple, being disciple, are the same point that are sitting in this service tonight. Where is everyone else? That room, we should have to be packing this room and have multiple rooms. If we have a hundred people attending this church, we should have a hundred people attending Bible study. Why? Because there's always something you could learn. I come here on Wednesday night and listen to Pastor Roy, and there's not been one time, not one time, have I walked out of the service that I haven't learned something new. And I'm 74 years old, and I'm still learning. Do you know when you quit learning? When you die. You will learn up until the day you take your last breath because we're always learning. And when we feel like we know it all, yeah, uh uh-oh. Because when we think we know it all, that's when we're going to tumble. That's what you call getting yourself and setting yourself on the pinnacle, ready to be knocked off, okay? And just because you attend a class to learn about God's Word does not make you weak. As a matter of fact, it's going to make you stronger. Because the more of God's Word here. But we have to have a heart ready to receive it. And sometimes we have to start with the basics with some people. Because they don't even have the basics of what it is. Okay? So, the Word of God must be understood before we can truly bear fruit. But I want you to notice something, and I, in case I forget to tell you and I get in a hurry because I'm losing time real fast. Is, in these first three type soils... There's no fruit mentioned. No fruit. The fruit only comes when the, when the heart is ready, totally and completely ready to be able to receive it. Okay? So, if we lack understanding, understanding, it prevents the Word from taking root. Okay? Because it can't take root in this heart. If we can't chip through that and be able to plant that seed in under that, break it down and put it in some soft soil... It's just going to get there, and Satan comes and just takes it away. Because they say, I just don't understand that. I've had people tell me this. I just don't understand the Bible. I just don't understand the Bible. Somebody asked me, Pastor, can you tell me what translation, what translation is the best translation? Do you know what my answer is? The one you can understand. Some people say, yeah, but they might get a bad translation. <laughs> if you read the best translation but get nothing out of it, Sometimes it might be better to take another translation that may not be as good because many translations out there are good translations. They may have some technical stuff here or there, maybe a little difference here and there. But the basic fundamental teachings is usually there because we're fundamentalists in the sense that we believe in the, all of the same fundamentals. That's what evangelical is. The same and the same fundamental teachings, we pretty much are pretty close. A lot of people have, ask, you know, why do we differ about this? Do you know that all of the churches, all of the churches disagree on half a percent of Scripture. And only probably half of that half 
have anything to do with getting to heaven. So a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, we'll, we, we, as old things, we gag in the net and swallow the camel, right? And, uh, or we try to throw the baby out with the, with, the, with the water, you know? It's the fact that we need to get people to, un- if they can, if they, even though I don't like the living translation that came out many, many years ago, it's actually a paraphrase. But it was in story form. Now they have the uh, new li- uh, the new, uh, the living translation, I guess it is, uh, that's like a lot of it in story form. So that pe- it arranges it to where it comes in a story form in a place instead of the sentence being structured differently so that you get a better flow. It's important to have something that you can, that you can learn from. Okay? Now, in Hosea 10, 12, it says, So with the, with the view to righteousness... Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up the fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes to rain righteousness on you. So Hosea here is saying that break up the fallows is a metaphor here for breaking down the hardness of our hearts. And cultivating a fruitful heart begins with a repentant and soft, soft or softened heart to be able to receive from the Lord. Now, the next one is, I call it the shallow heart. It's in Matthew 13, verse 20. It says, the one sown in the seed on rocky places is the one, is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yippee! That's great. Yet, he has no firm root in himself. And I want you to realize, see something. He has no firm root in himself. Doesn't, in other words, in his responsibility, he doesn't have the power to have that there to be able to do it. So here, Jesus is saying, it's this person's responsibility. It becomes our responsibility. Okay? To, because we don't have a firm root, it's because we didn't cultivate the land. Because we didn't take uh, the part here where it's talking about the rocky places. And if you look at it, it's really not talking about like a rock. It's talking about stones. And I'm sure you've been on that to where if you got all these stones that are all out there, and under it's a hard pan, you know what I'm saying? It's a hard pan and just a little bit of dirt. About the only thing you'll grow is a weed every once in a while will come up and come through the weed and, and so forth. But to get anything, uh, a plant to grow, it won't grow there because there's not enough of soil. Even if it were to get to the soil, there's not enough for it to be able to get a root system, to be able to get any nourishment to be able to grow. But here they receive it with enthusiasm. In other words... But they don't lack the depth. They get excited about it. They get all about it. But they get excited about it. But then all of a sudden, because they don't have any depth, the Word dies as soon as it's faced with trials and persecutions that comes against that Word. In other words, just have faith and believe and God will, blah, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, we're believing, we're believing, believing. It doesn't happen, boom. Something comes, and then we just lose faith in the whole thing. Because we... Have prayed because people have prayed so many times, and I put it this way: prayed amiss or prayed incorrectly, and because things didn't happen the way that they thought it should happen, they feel like they didn't get an answer, and so therefore they lose faith and confidence. If I, if I were to come up the stairs, and every time I came up the stairs, I would trip and fall. And I would get up and I'd come back down and the next time I came up, I tripped and I fall. How many times do you think it takes me before I realize that maybe I need to... Why? 
Because I don't have faith in myself to get up the stairs the normal way. When we don't get the answers that we want, it hurts our faith. And we quit doing what we, the way that we normally do it. We start modifying our belief system. And this is when things begin to come and like this and keep it from getting in and bringing the store. Getting into the soil. The Word needs to be firmly rooted in Christ. In Colossians 2, 6-7, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in Him and established in your faith. Okay? So he's saying here, having been firmly rooted... How many of you have tried to say, those little, have you noticed the little uh, weeds that grow that looks like grass? It's just at one point and it comes up like green stalks. It comes up real high. And if you really get that, they're hard to pull out because they've got a real long taproot. And they got a, a, a little uh, seed or nod on the end of them. And you have to dig them up because if you pull them, they'll just pop off. And the next day, they're coming right back. You have to actually get down because these taproots, the plants, plants probably this tall. And the roots go down this far. You get on top of it, you can't pull it out. It just breaks off. Because it is rooted and it's going to stay there unless you actually dig it up. Dig it up, it's going to stay there. The thing about it, if we are rooted in Christ and we have got a long root, it doesn't matter how many times you cut the top off, it doesn't matter if you dig around, if you pull on it, snatch on it, break it, do whatever you want to, it's going to come back. That's the type of rooting that we need to have in Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about here. It says you have to have it because it says this is shallow because these rocks are keeping it. So we must cultivate fruitful heart involves planting deep roots in Christ. This stability enables us to withstand every trial and every challenge that comes in our lives. And next it says, I want to call this one the crowded heart. A lot of things going on here. Verse 22 it says, and the one sown with the seed among thorns is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful, okay, unfruitful. So here we see the anxiety of the world. Now, it's a crowded place. We got the seed, but we got all of these weeds, all of these things that are, are growing, the, the thorns, the, the weeds, and all this kind of stuff that's growing up around it, right? And it begins to choke it because the, the things that are out here, actually we care more about than we care about the seeds. We don't want to get the weeds out of the way. The things that come from the world. And, the, uh, and I see so much of this today with people, wealth. I see it, it hits Facebook all the time. People will put, I'm having this, whatever. And they're, so on a Sunday they say, we had today, blah, blah, blah. And they're out on a Sunday out trying to network and do and making wealth and so forth. The wealth that we need is right here. We need wealth right here in our hearts and in our lives. I'm not saying we don't have to have people to make money. I'm not going, not going against that. But everything has its place. You can't have all of this out here control our life and give Jesus just a little bit of, just a little bit of space here, there. When you sow among thorns, a seed is falling among thorns. It grows. The stalks come up. But... You notice, the stalk comes up, but it never bears any fruit because it's never able to get enough of nourishment to be able to produce, to produce fruit. 
So this is someone, and, and, and like I say, these are processes that we go through. We start out as a new convert as we grow. These are things that we need. And when we see this ground that we have, we need to say, oh, I recognize that I don't have time for God. I don't have time to work for Him. I don't have time to do the thing. I don't have time to come to church. I thank God that you're here tonight, that you found time to come and be in the house of the Lord. Okay? And I'm going to ask a question. And if you're out there listening, where are you? Where are you? Make time for God. Make time for Him. Make time. Let, don't let everything that's going on around us. We're choked by all of the things that are going on. When, uh, when we have so many things going on around us, there's no room for the Word of God. We don't have time to read His Word. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to worship God. We don't have time to come into His presence. We don't have time to do these things. When you don't have time for God, you're too busy. Boy, is it quiet in here. I know what Pastor Roy's talking about now. It gets quiet in here. It does get quiet in here. But I didn't expect people to be jumping off the walls anyway. I am, because I'm excited about it, okay? But anyway, so Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Seek ye first the kingdom. If we seek the kingdom and righteousness, okay? Righteousness, doing the things which are right in the eyes, those things that are appealing to God, those are that He calls good, okay? Cultivating a fruitful heart in, involves prioritizing the kingdom of God first in our lives. It has to be first. Always and has to be. People say, well, brother, that's just, that's old clothesline preaching. That's just, oh, God. I'm sorry. But one day, we're going to stand before the Lord. And I guarantee you, faithfulness is going to come up in the conversation between you and the Lord. How old is Just what I'm saying. But here, again, a seed is all about growing, having something to grow in. God's Word wants to grow in our lives, but we have to be ready to receive it. And as I said, I want to make this, I, make, I got a thing here that says, notice, make this thing. There is no fruits mentioned in any of the first three of these soils. We only see fruit when we see the last one, and that's the fertile soil or the well-cultivated heart. Verse 23 says, But the one sown with the seed on the good ground, or the good soil, is the one who hears the Word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty as much. Good soil, or a heart, yields good fruit. And fruit and the fruits are all of the characteristics of God. And I like to say the characteristics of Jesus, the way Jesus lived, all of those characteristics in us. What we see Jesus do is our example. Okay, that's the characteristics and that's the fruits that it's talking about here. And, uh, but a fruitful heart allows God's Word to produce fruit in our lives. This fruit that comes from good soil and a good heart is good soil creates good crops. Good hearts create good food, fruit. And I... I would always expect it well return some 30, some 60, and some 100. Like, if you get a little bit, you start low, and then you work yourself up to 60 and work yourself up to, up to 100. But you, it caught my attention 
And I said, Lord, why did you say 100 first, then 60, and then 30? He said, because I want you to do the 60, but if you're not quite there, you're going to go to the 100. That's what I want you to have. But if you didn't, if you hadn't got it all cultivated the way it should be, then you're going to be at 60. And if you don't, if you still haven't got it, you're only going to get 30. But you get something if you'll just take my word and let it penetrate your heart and let, you, let something come from it. Okay? So tonight I want you to see this parable maybe in a different way than you've looked at it before. Instead of seeing all these types of soils as separate people receiving and saying, ah, oh, that's not me, that's not me, but to look at this as a process in each and every one of our lives. It's a process by which we need to work hard at changing our spirit mind, is the way I like to put it, but to change our mind, even our natural mind, into saying, I want more of God's Word. I want more of Him. And so I believe that when God says, if you ask anything, I'll give it to you, I think a lot of times God's talking about, I don't think God will ever deny anyone a spiritual increase. In other words, making you more, making you better equipped to be able to live a life for Jesus and to be able to walk in the blessings He wants you to that He wants you to live in. Because I don't believe that if you ask God, Lord, give me more of you. I'm willing, Lord, I want more of you. God's going to give you more of Him. That's what He wants to do. And I don't believe He'll deny that from anybody. But a lot of times we just never ask. He said, I know. The Spirit knows what you have need of before you ask, but we have to ask to be able to do it and to receive those things. So, make sure that like land, that your heart is fertilized, it's weeded out, plowed, disc all up, and ready to receive what the Lord wants you to have, right? Planting good soil. The souls of our heart, so that we can receive a hundredfold. Not the sixty, not the thirty, but receive the hundredfold. The better the soil, in other words, the better the heart, the better the results. May our lives tonight and our testimony be a transforming power of God's Word and our lives producing a bountiful harvest of spiritual fruit in our lives. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. And I thank you, Lord, because we're here and this group is here. And I thank you, Lord, for them being here. Father, I take thank you, Lord, and I ask you, Lord, to let our hearts be recognized, Lord, our minds to be recognized that to get more of you, Lord, we have to want more. And we have to be able to get the things out of the way, the obstacles, whether it be a hard ground, whether it be, whether it be the cares of life, whether it be the, the things that are going around us that are too busy, God. That, God, you want more for us. And so, God, all of these, Lord, that are the great faithful people, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that uh, those that hear this on the Internet, God, that they will be touched. And, Lord, that they will, it will inspire them, God, to be able to do great things and to get more into the Word, more into prayer, so that they can grow strong and be what they want you to be, what you want them to be. And God will give you all the praise. Go with us to our homes. Lord, keep a hedge of safety around us, Lord, until we come and meet again. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Pastor Mike has something to say.